back to another episode of ST Talks. I'm your host, Laura Demmer, coming to you from the World Brown Swiss Conference, which ST Genetics is a platinum sponsor for. Today, I am here with Norm Magnuson, the Executive Secretary of the Brown Swiss Association, to talk about the conference and the Brown Swiss breed as a whole. So first, welcome to the podcast today, Norm. Thank you very much, Laura, and thank you to ST for their support of our World Conference. Definitely. The Brown Swiss breed means a lot to us. So we are at, like I just said, the World Brown Swiss Conference, and it's been quite the event in the making. Tell me, what does it feel like to finally be here and have so many Brown Swiss breeders together in one room? As I welcomed our guests this morning, I mentioned that welcome to the 2020, 2021, <laughs> 2022 conference, because it's taken that long because of COVID to actually have this event happen. I reminded the group that uh, the cattle that they saw when they were touring the herds, the younger cattle, the first calf heifers, the two-year-olds, weren't even born when this conference right. was originally uh, scheduled. <laughs> Definitely. Um, speaking of your tours, where did you guys all visit um, throughout the Midwest this week? There were scheduled tours through the uh, conference itself. They went to uh, Tom Oberhaus's cozy nook farm in Waukesha. Triangle Acres, the Korth family in uh, Northern Illinois. And then we had a welcome party at Vagley's in Monticello. And the uh, Vagley's have a way of putting on a great event. And it was a wonderful <laughs> evening uh, at in their barn. They had had the reception there in, in the uh, hayloft of the barn itself. And then uh, yesterday on uh, Sunday, the buses, uh, three bus loads of uh, scheduled the tour went to Hilltop Acres, Dennis Moschick's family in Kelmer, Iowa, where he milks 450 brown Swiss. And uh, the average herd size for in Switzerland, I know, is about 28 cows. And for <laughs> them to see 450 brown Swiss all under one roof was quite impressive. That's awesome. Yeah, those are a lot of great stops. Um, so how many attendees do you have this year? We have 282 uh, attendees that signed up for the conference itself. And how many of those are international guests? 201 as the count at the present time. That is impressive. That's great to hear. And I believe 16 countries, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. And like, what a nice event to just welcome everyone back after COVID, safely being able to travel the U.S. and see some great herds. So now focusing on the brown Swiss breed as a whole, how has the breed evolved in the past 10 to 15 years, in your opinion? The breed, for popularity of the breed is maintained. Registrations have stayed about the same in the 9,000 uh, head range every year. I think the biggest thing that I see uh, is the, the milkability of the cows. The production is there, and we're trying to get a good foothold on genomics. Uh, and that's making a bigger impact on our breed. But the cows, the udders, uh, better uttered cows, uh, flat bone dairy cows that can compete in both uh, against other breeds. I mean, we're the number two breed for uh, uh, energy corrected milk, uh -huh. and we're the number uh, two breed when you take when you take out Holsteins. Yeah, we are the number one breed for uh, <laughs> colored breeds for milk and for protein. Right. So what do you think has been the biggest challenge or the biggest changes the brown Swiss breed has faced? I think brown Swiss face the same problems all the other breeds do. It's just a change in the dairy industry, uh, the amount of cattle that are being gone more commercial. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
what a lot of people don't understand about brown Swiss is they're in the world population, we're probably the number one or number two breed compared to Holsteins on just total uh, amount of brown Swiss. There are many brown Swiss in, in Eastern Europe that aren't in any herd book. They're, they're brown Swiss, but they're not registered cattle, and it's hard to get a count on that. You look at a country like Peru, they say there's nearly a million brown Swiss in Peru. And most people find that very hard to believe. But when you right. go there and judge a show or farm tour, there are a lot of brown Swiss. Interesting. So what has registration trends um, been like for the association? As I mentioned, we've stayed quite consistent, you know, right in that 9,000 uh, head per year uh, category. Uh, even though with the COVID years, we had good registrations and it'll be a challenge going forward again for all dairy breeds mm -hmm. just to maintain the registered cattle uh, population. And you had mentioned earlier um, about genomic testing. Do you know what percent of the breed is genomically tested? Uh, I guess from what I'm told, about 25%. And one of the presenters this morning talked about the need to have more cattle genetically tested, genomically tested. Uh, it's just we need more data to get higher reliability to drive the breed forward to compete with the other dairy breeds that are out there. Yep, and staying on this topic just a little bit, um, like you just said this morning, they've already been talking about it, but today is a day of seminars for the conference, and a lot of these are focusing on technology opportunities, um, specifically genomic testing. Um, in your opinion, why is this such a focus this year, and why do you believe Brown Swiss breeders should be investing in this technology? It's, as the speakers brought up, uh, genomics have been proven to work. Are they 100%? Uh, no, we're not quite at that, but there, it will give you an advantage. And the more data, all the speakers stressed it, the more data you have, the more data you're going to be able to provide the producer to make better decisions on their breeding programs. And I think at times we've become somewhat complacent to the fact that there is genomic testing being done and some say we're going to take advantage of that, but we're not con going to contribute to it. You, you have to be involved in it both as a using the information and providing the information. Yes, I like the way you put that and just overall progressing the breed forward as a whole. So are there any changes uh, coming down the pipeline for the brown Swiss breed that we should know about? I don't know if there's any big changes other than we, uh, we're going to learn some more today. And if we can uh, apply what we learn today or the topics that come up, it's, again, because of the popularity of the Brown Swiss breed on an international uh, uh, stage, uh, there's so many more Brown Swiss in Europe that the information that's going to come out of there is going to help us uh, as a breed. But, as, again, as it is in the dairy industry, to keep these uh, breeds going forward, uh, we're just going to have to share more information. And I think as breed associations in the United States, we need to work together through PDCA and some of the other uh, organizations to help dairy cattle, register dairy cattle. Definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, the collaboration between a lot of different associations would benefit everyone. Um, so my final question today is, why should breeders become members of the Brown Swiss Association, in your opinion? I guess it's, uh, it's like a club in a way. 
uh, you support the organization that you're involved with, and it takes it's a member organization. And if you're a member, you need to support that organization. It's not going to carry itself without without support. Mm -hmm, definitely. Well, thank you, Norm, for joining us today and for sharing your insight on the Brown Swiss breed. The conference and the seminars are starting back up, so I will let, let you get back to it. This was another episode of ST Talks. If you like what you heard, you can find more episodes on your favorite podcast platform by searching ST Talks or ST Genetics. And if you want to learn more about ST Genetics, visit our website at stgen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Mm -hmm.